20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Pack a day episode number 922. It's a new week. There's a new quarterback in the NFC North. And the winner of the Pro Bowl was us, the fans, as we didn't have to sit through on this year. Uh, happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're well. I'm Alex Strofe. And I decided to show up to work today. Perry Goldstein decided to show up to work today. Andy Herman didn't decide to show up to work today. So we are joined by Cage Bridgeford instead. But Perry, I don't know where Andy is. He, he The Packers lost. He doesn't want to talk to us for some reason. Andy uh, bailed me out. That's why he's not here. So that's yeah. like that's why. Because my Saturday crew didn't want to be here last night. So he filled in. That's why Andy got the So you're standing today. up for Andy? I, rarely, yes. No, his food is still terrible. But, but I'll stand up for him on this occasion. Perry, I want you to bury Andy Herman, please. You know, I got to give it to him, though, because he did have a cool interview with the for Jets' sure. former GM. So he did do that for us yesterday. So I can't I can't give him too much, uh, you know, too much slack. But, you know, it's not the same without him. So no, it's, no, it's not. But, but, but Gage will do his best. Gage will do his best. But uh, good to be with you here on a Monday. Lots to dive into. Uh, big weekend. And of course, we've got a, a Super Bowl coming up. This weekend, so we'll dive into all that and a little bit more here on Pack a Day number nine twenty two. But as Perry mentioned, former New York Jets general manager Ryan Tenenbaum on episode number nine twenty one yesterday. If you haven't caught that, once you're done with us, go check that out on episode number nine twenty one. But the big news from the weekend: a new quarterback in the NFC North, a new quarterback. Uh, in the NFC West, out of the NFC North, as Detroit has dealt quarterback Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for two future first-round picks, a third-round pick, and quarterback Jared Goff, now the Lions quarterback. Perry, I know this blew your mind when it came across Saturday night. Um, now about 36 hours removed. How you feeling? It's an interesting one. It's uh, yeah. I think if you want to frame it like, you know, what does it mean for the Packers? I think it's good for the Packers, right? Stafford is out of the division. You get Goff, who is, um, by all accounts, a, a worse quarterback. I think, you know, to be to be fair, we we haven't seen Stafford in sort of a winning organization. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do for the Rams. I know some people think that this is maybe worse for the Packers long term because the Rams are actually a Super Bowl contending team. And so now that they have a more serviceable quarterback, you know, the Packers may have to play them in the playoffs. But uh, personally, I'm excited for Stafford. I want to see what he's got. I think he's super talented and he's been a little bit wasted in Detroit. Um, and that may be an understatement. So good for him. Uh, you know, the Rams get to dump all of Goff's contract onto the Lions and get rid of that. But they also, you know, give up two first round picks and don't pick in the first round until 2023, I think it is, or 2024. So uh, it feels like a somewhat fairly even trade. It's not great for either side. It's not bad for either side and uh, makes the division a little bit easier for the Packers. So feels good. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. Uh, but Jared Goff, only 26 for what it's worth, but definitely that big contract in Detroit. Stafford had to be jumping up and down, I'd imagine. You mentioned finally on a winning team. Uh, so that's that's exciting for him. I, we, You know, as weird as it is, division rival, I don't know that anybody particularly dislikes Matthew Stafford or really ever has. Uh, I think we're all cheering for him as Packers fans, which is funny. Uh, that wouldn't happen with with Mr. Trubisky. But nonetheless, uh, Stafford in L.A., but Goff in Detroit. Gage, what's the takeaway for you, buddy? Uh, 
Fun fact. So you said that they're getting off of the golf contract. That's true. However, they are going to actually pay golf $2 million more this year, like in 2021, than they are going to okay. be paying Stafford. The cap hit is 22. It's like 22 mil versus 20 mil. I saw that stat this morning wow. and I was like, nice. Yeah, we got off that deal. We're still paying him more money, but we got off the deal. And then I think Gurley, they're paying another like 10 mil too. So like they're paying $30 million to two guys to not play for them. Uh, but yeah, good for Stafford to get to go to a system where uh, I don't, uh, granted, I don't think he's going to be maximized. I don't think that that system works the best for him because like McVay is great. He's able to get guys open and do his whole thing with like all the long drag routes and the run game sets it up well. And then the blocking, like the blocking scheme they have there really takes advantage of the fact that they don't have the best guys like Whitworth 10 years ago. Sure. But right now just age and injuries have kind of caught up to him, but they still blocked really well for golf this year, despite a being a largely immobile quarterback. So that was a good thing to see. So I think Stafford will be fine. Uh, I saw a question of where do we think Stafford's going to fall in to the ranks this year, like for one to four, one to four, five to eight, nine to 12. And, and then I put him in kind of that nine to 12 range. That's kind of where I've always thought he is. I think he's a lower end top 10 higher, like, like, top 11, 12 area guy. And I think that that's still where he's going to be at for me. Um, I, I, everyone's like, is the difference between golf and Stafford that big? And it's more it's the contract. Yeah, golf's contract was bad. It, it was a bad thing to do. They trading. It made more sense than cutting him, but you have to get off of that deal. And plus if Stafford's as good as you think he's going to be, and you're going to be picking at the end of the first round, hypothetically, you're giving up two picks in the late twenties and then a third, you don't care because it's about Super Bowl windows and Stafford gives you a better chance of getting to and winning a Super Bowl than Jared Goff did. And he's going to be cheaper because Jared Goff's paid way too much damn money. Yeah, the contract aspect, of course, is a big one. But but I think uh, something that everybody is excited to see here in the 2021 season as we're not even done with the 2021. But anyway, uh, Stafford and Sean McVay. In that Rams offense, I think it's going to be electric and the expectations are high. We like to overreact, you know, the the, the day and the day after um, a deal is made like this. But Stafford and McVay sounds awesome. Uh, I think the expectations are high for them in L.A. and rightfully so. But let's stay in the NFC North. The expectations for Jared Goff, he played well against the Packers with the Rams in that playoff game at a quarterback rating of over 105. Um, But. What's the expectation in Detroit? It's not L.A. It's not the Rams. It's not Sean McVay. Perry, uh, what do you expect out of Jared Goff in Detroit? I got like 26. He's young. He's he's still solid. He's played. He's had solid years. He's played solid games. But the expectations aren't high for me. I unfortunately think that the only loser, like real true loser in this trade is Jared Goff. Yeah, 100%. And he, I think that he is just sort of bait. Like they, they had to get rid of him and the lions need a stop uh, quarterback. They are probably, I mean, I would assume, although who knows what the D- Detroit lions are going to do, but I, they're pick number seven this year in the draft. I can imagine them using one of the first round picks they got from the Rams to package it and trade up and potentially get their quarterback for the future. Um, that feels like the smart move again, it's the lions, but we don't know what they're going to do uh, from an organizational standpoint. Um, so I just think that golf, they're not treating him like their future quarterback, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad decision. Like you said, he's young. He could still have a lot of years left in him. He's not necessarily a bad quarterback by any means, but I don't think he's being set up for success. Uh, Their top three weapons aren't under contract for 2021. Their defense isn't very good. They're, 
just going through yet another transition between head coach and GM, et cetera. So I think, unfortunately for Jared Goff, like I can't imagine him being in Detroit for that long. So the one upside to Goff possibly remaining in Detroit, the or the Lions GM has been an executive with the Rams for 16 years before he came to Detroit this offseason. So there is that one aspect of things. But I do agree in terms of the trade-up thing. If you trade Goff and maybe one, two, maybe three first-round picks, because you now have all these extra first-round picks, you could hypothetically move up. And if you can get to the top four, in my opinion, the top four quarterbacks in this draft, Fields, Wilson, Lance, Lawrence, all four of those guys have a much higher ceiling than Goff. Goff is a fine quarterback. He's a middle-of-the-road guy. When the Rams got to the Super Bowl that year, they won caught lightning in a bottle between just their defense playing really hot at the right time, and you have a offensive receiving core of Woods, you had Cooks, you had Brandon, you have Cooper Cup, and then you have in the backfield, you had Todd Gurley, coming off of his near MVP season. They caught lightning in a bottle at the right time and they didn't have the quarterback to take advantage of the defense and like against New England, which obviously we know New England's defense is just great, but that game was, they suffocated a Rams offense that had averaged like 30 points per game all season long. They had put up nearly 60 points in a game against the chiefs. They're like this team with Stafford has a, has a chance to be a force in the, in the NFC West. And I think that what just happened with the Rams making that move, they just forced the hand of the 49ers. Cause now if you're the 49ers, you got Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Matthew Stafford on the other three teams in your division. And the easiest way to get to the playoffs is win your division. It's getting, a, it just got a lot more difficult to do that with Stafford out there because now what that division is going to do is it's going to cannibalize on itself. Like how the NFC East was this year. That's just, they all beat each other every other week and it's like, oh, yeah, this team's uh, team's going to separate out West. No, they're all going to finish between 9 and 7 and 7 and 9 because they're all going to beat no, each other. No, they're every not. Other no, they're not. You know what I'm saying, though. Like, well, I, I understand. Yeah, th- th- you've got, uh, I mean, obviously a bunch of talent in the NFC West. Now, you already did, though. And you still had 11 and 5, 10 and 16s this year. And but, yeah, obviously- but so the 49ers dealt with a myriad of injuries. Well, you're going to have a hell of a team at 9 and 7, then, is is what is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah I, and that's what I'm saying is I think that all these teams are going to be really close talent wise because there is a lot of talent out west yeah. and i think that it's going to be one of those any team can beat anybody any given week similar to how in big 10 basketball this year it's a circle of just this team beat this team beat the, and so on and so forth i think all the teams out west are really good and i think that if you get an upgrade over jimmy g or if he can kind of be more like he was in 2019 the, the nfc west is just going to be a log jam of who's going to be the team that is able to separate by a game or two like a team that's going to finish seven and nine is not going to be a seven and nineteen. They're going to be a ten and six team if they played in the worst division. Mm-hmm. That's more what I was getting at. So for Goff, I think him in Detroit, eh, it doesn't really move the needle for me. He's the second best quarterback in the NFC North now because I think he's better than Kirk Cousins, but I don't think he's like a, he's not a needle mover for me. So it, no, I agree. Lean on DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, and then you have Quintez Cephas because you alienated Kenny Galladay. Good job, guys. Go Badgers. Um, so there you go. That's the trade. That's the big one. Um, obviously, uh, Goff and Stafford switching roles uh, with the Rams and the Lions. Uh, big blockbuster trade reported by Adam Schefter on Saturday night. A, a lot of fun there. But I think the first thought a lot of us had, and Perry, I know just when you saw this, this is the first thing that came popped into your head. Um, and I think a lot of us are right there with you. How, how does this affect the market now for Deshaun Watson? Stafford acquires two first round picks, a third round pick and a quarterback swap. 
Deshaun Watson's price has to be higher than that. I mean, this is going to be an outrageous trade. It's eventually going to happen, we expect. But uh, this changes things in, in the market for Deshaun Watson. I might have a somewhat unpopular opinion here. And, oh, boy. And that's fine. Look, I want Deshaun Watson out of out of the Texans organization. Like, I think he's been one of my favorite quarterbacks since college. He's kind of the reason why I even started watching college football. Like, I am a huge, huge Deshaun Watson fan. I think he's incredibly talented and could bring a team to a Super Bowl. Like, he is an immediate team booster. He's someone you build around, and I can't believe what the Texans have done with him. And I completely understand his anger and frustration. Um, And I think it's fair for him to want some more autonomy over where he plays in his career. I just think that this Stafford deer like might have pushed the price too high. Like who is going to send what three first round picks two first two seconds and a third, like who is going to send what it's going to take to the Texans for them to get rid of Deshaun Watson. I think the price was already so high. And then you look at a guy like Stafford who by all accounts, Watson is a better quarterback. Like I don't think anyone would make the argument that he's not. So like, what organization is going to send enough capital or players potentially packaged in there to entice the Texans enough who have come out and said they don't want to trade Deshaun Watson to for them to actually bite? Like, I think, unfortunately, this really, really messed Deshaun up with what Deshaun Watson wants, which yeah. is to get out of Texas. So, um Sure, maybe there is a team out there like the Jets or I don't even know what other organization would make the kind of deal like to send that much draft capital to to the Texans. But I just feel for Deshaun because I think this may lead to just a like more intense standoff and maybe him sitting out a year. I'm not sure, but uh, I just don't think it looks good for him. No, I'm right uh, there with you. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, an e- or So a uh, pretty good insider for the Texans, uh, John McClain. Uh, he's covered the Texans for 45 years, or he's covered the NFL specifically for 45 years. He's based out of Houston. Said that with the like following the this trade, the likely going price is going to be for Watson is going to be two ones, two twos, and two young defensive starters. That's 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 what he said, and I'm like, buddy, <laughs> is Watson worth that? I think so. Because sure. what, what's the what's the phrase in football if you don't have a starting quarterback, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Or if you don't have, or if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. That's what Philly's going through right now. Philly has two quarterbacks. Congrats, you don't have one. If you like, if you there's a and there's a difference between the way Green Bay did it, which is drafting Jordan Love to be the heir to Rodgers, drafting Mahomes to be the heir to Alex Smith. There's a difference between doing that and then whatever the hell the Philly was doing. That Jalen Hurts move set you back for years, years to come. Okay, well, Wentz is going to be our guy. Okay, well, now you have to trade Jalen Hurts, and everyone's going to now know that Hurts is worse than Carson Wentz because you're trading because you're trading him. Okay, we're going to go with Jalen. All right, cool. Now you have to try and figure out how to get off of Carson Wentz's money that you handed him less than a year and a half ago because you gave him all of this money. Why would anybody else want him? Because you just gave him all this money, and clearly you don't want him. He's clearly not that good for you, right? I think Watson is absolutely worth that, but I think Perry nailed it with who's going to pay that price and who like who has the who has the pieces to do so because there's a I think there's a lot of teams that would like to make that move um, like San Francisco I, I've talked about them before they would like to make that move and they have I think they have the young defensive pieces to do it and they have the draft capital to do it but they ha- are losing a ton of starters on the defensive side of the ball and they already don't have a ton of cap space 
So they can't really afford to make the move. Personally, I think Denver would be the team that, like if I, if I was Denver, I would be aggressive on this trade. I think you have a really good defense at the right time. Um, you have great weapons in Judy, Sutton, Hamler, Melvin Gordon's still under contract for another year. Noah Fant is, in my opinion, one of the best t- tight ends in football. And I think he can really pop this year if he has a competent quarterback. You can package Drew Locke, your first, which is, I believe, I think it's like 13 or 14, something like that. It's like an early teens pick. So that I think that, if I'm Denver, I'm aggressively calling about Deshaun Watson. Sure. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's still in the AFC, but. It, it'll be interesting to see no matter where he lands, uh, assuming yeah. he lands somewhere, how, how this plays out. And, and this trade definitely has some sort of effect on that. But we will oh, see. One more thing that I wanted to mention that. on Goff. Did you guys see the report where he said he's glad to be somewhere where he feels wanted? Yes, I did see that. What was your guys' opinion on that? Because I've seen uh, I've well, seen a couple of different how, things so far, and I have how, mine. I'll how, do you, how do you respond to getting traded? I, I guess I understand the quote. Um, you know, obviously there was people calling for his head all year in in LA. Um, so to see that Detroit wanted him, uh, quote unquote, um, is definitely. I don't know. I understand it. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it because he's not going to win in Detroit. But uh, whatever, Goff, whatever, whatever makes you happy, man. Perry, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, what else are you supposed to say? Like, you're you're being added to a franchise. You didn't really have a choice. You want to start off on the right foot. So say something positive, whether he feels that way or not. I can't imagine a California boy like him is going to be excited about moving to Detroit, Michigan. But, right. you know, this is the hand that he was dealt. So he's going to try to make something good out of it. Like, so try to salvage his career, do something. So I don't know. I, I don't know what's the truth in all these reports anyway. My whole thing was just I saw like people saying, well, they gave you this big contract. So clearly Los Angeles wanted you. Yeah. Well, two weeks ago, my head coach and my GM were both asked, hey, am I is he still the starting quarterback? And and both of you basically said, eh, he is today, I guess. Neither one of you committed to him. So, yeah, no, I didn't exactly feel wanted there. That's like saying, hey, are you two dating? Eh, Yeah. I mean, today we are. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks for being real committal there. There, chief. So I so I get Goff's idea of it of the whole at least I'm somewhere where I'm wanted. Granted, I mean you were a salary dump, but they at least you were the centerpiece to get uh, Matthew. He, he, he was part. He was a big part of the trade. So he's he's totally wanted in Detroit. So Goff, Detroit, Stafford in L.A. That's your big headline from the weekend. We transition now uh, to Green Bay as they look to fill their empty defensive coordinator slot as Mike Pettin is out. He was not retained uh, for the 2021. Season obviously his contract uh, expired after the 2020 run, so uh, he is out in Green Bay now. Big headline from the weekend: Wade Phillips. We all know him; he's been coaching for a b- billion years. Uh, was was rumored in the in the Packers windmill, if you will, and he sent out this tweet on Saturday afternoon to all the Packer fans on Twitter. Thank you for o- the overwhelming support from the team owners. But I know Matt, and he is an outstanding coach, and will make the best decision for your team. Period. So. Maybe Wade Phillips, maybe not Wade Phillips. He's kind of saying exactly like Jared Goff did, saying what he has to say, uh, but definitely an interesting name in, in the rumor conversation for Green Bay's uh, open position. So uh, what, you saw this Wade Phillips tweet, I'm sure, Perry. What's the, what's the response from him? I mean, that's that's a nice tweet to get from a legend like Phillips. Yeah, I thought it was sweet. You know, like right. you never know if coaches are actually paying attention to what's going on on Twitter. So the fact that he's like <laughs> noticing all the love that he's getting from Packers fans is nice. Um, I think it makes sense. Like he's one of 
I guess he has the longest resume of all the coaches who are out of a job currently. He knows LaFleur from his time with the Rams. So it's not the craziest idea that the Packers would look at him. Um, Personally, I'd like someone a little bit less old school. I think we've got something really great on offense right now. It's really young, really progressive. I think the defense needs to sort of match that. Um, To all the respect in the world to Wade Phillips, he's a phenomenal coach, and I'm sure... If someone else brings him back out of retirement, he'll he'll do a lovely job. Um, I just don't think he necessarily fits with the sort of young, swaggy defense the Packers currently have at the moment. Um, but I did think that the tweet was really nice, and I'm glad that he feels the love. I could not agree more with Perry Goldstein because I had the I had the exact same idea when I saw people yesterday throwing out the Wade Phillips, Chris Richard, just a bunch of these guys who are former coaches who are currently out of a job. Uh, like I agree, Wade Phillips has got a long storied career. He is uh, he's been a head coach, DC. He was he was the defensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl, correct? Am I right there? Okay, cool. Um, so he's got he's had success before, and he does know Lafleur, obviously. But I and I and I say this in a like I understand there's certain guys that stay out of a job because they want the right situation, but at the end of the day, there's guys that are out of a job for a reason. There's a reason Mike Pettin wasn't retained this year. There is a reason that. The, the Jets fired Adam Gase. There's a reason Matt Patricia lost his job. When guys don't have a job, there's a reason why. I think Wade Phillips is a good coach, but I agree that with Perry, this defense is a young one with a lot of talented pieces who can do a lot of different things. And that's why I've been like, I don't have a defensive coordinator. And I know we're going to talk about this here in just a minute. I know I don't have a guy that I'm like, this is who I want them to go oh. get. I have some ideas that I've looked at um, like the secondary coach out in Arizona, I really like him. He's got a lot of experience, but he's never really gotten the defensive coordinator position. I like what he's done with some other pieces there, but I like Wade the person. I like that. Like I thought his interaction on Twitter was cool. He followed Marcus Eversall yesterday when Marcus was, so I was like, he's tuned in. Wade, Wade's paying attention. And I have no doubt in my mind that Matt and Wade have talked in the last couple of days. There's not, not a doubt in my mind there, but I agree that I would just prefer to go with a younger guy that, isn't going to walk away in two years. Sure. I don't think Wade's ever going to be a head coach again. I just don't. I think he's too no. up there in age because he's like, what's in the 73. 73. Yeah. He's not going to be a head coach again. He's going to be a DC. And I expect LaFleur to be around here for a long time. And if Wade's going to be a DC forever or until his career's over, I don't think that that's going to be as long as LaFleur is going to be a head coach in Green Bay. And so I would rather get a DC that in three years moves on and goes to be a head coach somewhere than to get a guy that in three years retires. That's that's just me personally. That's how I look at it. I don't, I don't I'm not a huge retread guy. Go get somebody that if like if you get a retread that's gonna crush it and like knows he comes in, he's like, This is how we're gonna do it. Great. But I just prefer to go somewhere new. Yeah, that retread thought is an interesting one. Um and obviously LaFleur is one of those guys, right? Never been a head coach. You bring him in and, and look at the success he's had. So uh we'll see. And you brought it up, Gage, so let's get to it. I, I threw in our notes today for our show. Um what are the names you're looking at? And we all came in here to prep and we're all kind of like, ah, we don't really know what we want. And I think we're kind of like the rest of Packer Nation where we're just going to roll with what LaFleur and Goody, uh, you know, come to the decision on Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator at the University of Wisconsin, has been in the discussion. He was in the discussion even back in 2018. But there's some Wisconsin bias there. I don't know any any names, Perry, because I, I think we're all kind of in the same boat. No names that really come to your mind. 
No, and it's interesting because I definitely had thoughts when the Packers were looking for their head coach, but the defensive coordinator, I'm like, I don't like uh, my choice. Actually, (laughs) he already has a job now, but my choice actually would have been Dan Quinn. Um, The relationship with Matt LaFleur was there. I I think his energy is something that this defense would have really um, responded well to, et cetera. It obviously doesn't matter now because he has a job, but that was the only name that like I was really kind of pulling for. Um, It'll be interesting to see. I know that the Packers have come out and said, you know, we're going to look at all possibilities. They're not necessarily going to only look at outside sources, but they're also going to sort of interview internally and maybe make an internal hire. Um, I have mixed feelings about that, to be quite honest with you. Um, I also think that, you know, when you bring in someone new that also leaves your position coach is really vulnerable. And there's a bunch of defensive position coaches that I think did a phenomenal job this season that I would like to see the Packers retain. So no matter what, it's definitely going to shake things up a bit, but this has to be the most enticing coordinator job out there. Like there is yeah, no to- way it has to be like, look at all of the pieces that you have with just a really awesome young core, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage. You got the vet Amos back there. You know, our front seven, you know, you have Kenny Clark, you know, you've got Zadarius Smith. There's just a lot, a lot to work with. And you're walking into a winning organization where your offense also is scoring over 30 points per game on average. So this is just like probably the best open position there is out there. So the Packers should have the pick like, any pick that they want. Um, I just have no idea who that's going to be. I'm right there with you. And and just uh, for a reminder, in case uh, anybody listening doesn't remember, Dan Quinn, now a part of Mike McCarthy's staff, the defensive coordinator down in in Dallas, as Perry mentioned there at the top. But Gage, uh, it seems like you're right there with us, right? I mean, whoever they roll with, you're going to be confident with. But right now, I have no idea what the heck to think. Yeah, I don't really have I don't have a guy that I'm like, this is the one I want them to go target. Um, If I'm going to pick one that I would like to see them at least have a discussion with, it's Marcus Robertson. Uh, He's the secondary coach and defensive back coach in Arizona. He's 51. So uh, he's not so he's not like super up there in age. He's obviously older than LaFleur, but he's not he's not like he's not Wade Phillips old. He played for 11 years in the NFL. He was a two time all pro. Uh, He has coached defensive backs for the last 13 years. He obviously just took Buda Baker to being the highest paid safety in the NFL or in NFL history. He uh, just took Buda Baker. I believe Buda was a pro bowler this year. He's been a pro bowler on special teams for a couple of years. So he's, he's super talented there. Uh, I really like that. He knows how to utilize a number one cornerback in Patrick Peterson. Like I understand that the defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph makes those calls, but he also, he, I'm sure he goes to Vance and says, Hey Vance, whoever you want, to not catch a ball today, just put Pat on him and he'll take care of it. Uh, he's developed Byron Murphy really well, uh, who I loved coming out of the draft and he has really shown well as a pro so far. Uh, I like the, like my brain thinks about the ways he can put Darnell Savage in and just say, Hey, Darnell, just go make plays, man. You're super talented. You know what to do. Go do your thing. And I know that you're going to make the right play because that's the, that's when Savage has played the best that like in his young career is, what he's getting to play open and free and just get to go make plays because he's an athlete and, he, and he's a, and he's a baller and he can make those plays. Jair can lock down a guy on one side or can, can lock down a guy anywhere. I've seen, we have corners like uh Trey Davis white in Buffalo, who is in my opinion, what he's probably a top three corner in the NFL, in my yeah, opinion, no but he doesn't always go in the slot and not a lot. Of, and there's a lot of corners that can only play outside or can only play inside. Jair can do both. He can go anywhere with any receiver on any given week. And we I know we've all saw Petten not do that. He would just say, eh, Jair's going to play us side, or he's going to guard the fourth string wide receiver because that's the side he's on. That doesn't make any sense. Kevin King playing off. I think Kevin King and Josh Jackson both were criminally misused in this defense. 
they're they're big physical guys. They're not they're not speed guys. They're not soft coverage. Just let them go use their size. That's what they do. And then you have Kevin King playing ten yards off on a third and three, and then you're confused how you're giving up a first down every time. Mike Pett made a lot of good decisions. He developed a lot of good pieces, but just there was too many boneheaded things like putting Preston Smith in coverage made no sense. Yeah, putting putting him coverage out wide made less than no sense. So. <laughs> That, so Marcus Robertson's the outside guy that if I'm going to say, go talk to him, that's the one. I, I just I like what he's done there. He has played. He's coached with Vance Joseph for a couple of years now, who Vance Joseph, while a terrible coach, is a really, really good defensive coordinator. And so I would like to see him maybe get a shot uh, because he hasn't – I don't know if it's a, a want, like he doesn't want to be a head coach anywhere or doesn't want to be a defensive coordinator, but he hasn't gotten that opportunity yet in his career. So that's who I would say. Like I know there's other guys that are going to get interviewed for the job, and – Perry said it. Pick of the litter. You got Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Z, Jair, Amos Savage. This, Good core. this defense is loaded. Yeah, and you're, coming off, and you're coming off back-to-back NFC Championships games. So uh, the expectation's still high in 2021 for Green Bay. And uh, whoever they get, whoever uh, they, they hire, uh, will be in a, in a position to win now, which is super appealing as a defensive coordinator candidate, I'd imagine. But last thing on the D.C. thing, guys, real quick. Uh, I'm just curious on what you think the timeline will be. Will we see a higher this week? Will it be two weeks? Will it be a month? Will they take their their precious time? Or could it be as soon as, I don't know, this afternoon? What, what do you think the timeline will look like, Perry? No, I don't think that's going to happen soon. I, I think that the yeah. Packers will do the Packers thing and they'll exhaust all options and like really go through the interviewing process. I imagine it happening sometime after the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if they'll take I, I think that the Packers honestly can take as much time as they want. It's not like they have any pressure. It's not like anyone they want is, you know, being sought after by another team. But I also think that, you know, the sooner you get someone in, the sooner the cohesion with that coach and the players can start. So, yeah, I'd imagine it sometime like towards the end of February. Uh, I'm actually going to say it's going to be a little bit sooner than that. And the only reason why is like, I know the combine isn't happening in its traditional sense this year, but there is still going to be some of that. And, and this is probably just a personal thing. I like to have my coaching staff rounded out before the, before the combine, not every team sends coaches to the combine. Obviously there's not, it's not going to be one this year. So it's just going to be coaches sitting in green Bay together, discussing how they like, how guys are working out, how they're measuring, what we're looking at, who we're looking for, like some teams send their full coaching staff. Some teams send just their GM and it, I'm like, it, send your, send your guys, send your special teams, coach, your head coach, your GM and your defensive defensive and offensive coordinator, send those guys. And then everybody else can stay home because those guys know what they're looking for at their respective spots. Your defensive coordinator is going to know what he's looking for. If you get a guy that is transitioning from a three, four to a four, three, like we had like that's, and that's a legitimate possibility because four, three has gained a lot of popularity over the last couple of years with the way that Robert Sala and the San Francisco 49ers have really played and beaten down a lot of teams with Nick Bosa and D Ford on like opposite ends. So if that's going to happen, you need to have your DC in place. So that way you can say, okay, we need to get at least one of these guys to try and make it to our rotations a little bit more rounded out in terms of being able to rush four down guys rather than three downs or two standing up or whatever. So I think it's honestly in the next two weeks, we'll have an answer. Um, I think that I don't think it's going to happen this week. Like it could because green Bay does stuff all the time that makes us look, Oh, well, we're stupid for thinking it wasn't going to happen, but I think it won't be this week. I think it'll be the week after the Super Bowl. They'll get to interview everybody that they want and get their final decision in. And I think probably by Friday, the what is that? The the 11th? 
No, the, sure. the four. No, that sounds the right to me. Sure. Friday, Friday the twelfth. Sure. I think Friday the twelfth is when we'll have our like the the deadline for our answer. Okay, so next week you're both you're both leaning towards. I think I'm right there with you. And then in the next two weeks or so, we, we should have at least, if not an answer, a better idea of who it will be than we do on on this Monday morning. So. Uh, Good stuff. That's that's the timeline we kind of all expect, but it, but it will be interesting to see who they interview, who they bring in, uh, who, who's rumored. I mean, all that stuff is always fun. Maybe not as fun as a head coach vacancy, but definitely fun still uh, with with a lot of pressure on who's ever next up for the Packers on the defensive coordinator uh, position. Now, speaking of defenses, uh, another quick rumor. Uh, J.J. Watt wants out of Houston as well. We talked about Deshaun Watson earlier as quarterback. And now their defensive captain wants out as well. Obviously, a University of Wisconsin guy, a Pewaukee High School guy, um, maybe rumored to Green Bay. He'd be a great fit in Green Bay. Uh, let's do it this way. On a scale from one to ten, how likely do you think it is that J.J. Watt is a Packer uh, come the start of the 2021 season? Perry, you don't look optimistic. A four. Okay. Uh, it's just like, you know, as as great as it would be, as much as a fit, it would be, you know, J.J. Watt gets to come home. La, la, la. We love those stories. Like the, the Packers don't have a ton of cap space. You know, J.J. Watt is going to be somewhat expensive. Like even if he takes a little bit of a salary hit just to get out of the out of the Texans, like the, the Packers don't have the space, you know, in order to, to acquire a guy like that. So, uh, again, like take the salary cap out of it. Amazing. It would be perfect, but they just can't. They just can't pick him. It's a, it's a fairy tale story, but yeah, yeah four out of ten is good. Gage, what do you think? <laughs> One out of ten, the likelihood of of Watt and Green Bay. One. Um, okay. I, yeah, when she when Perry, when you said four, I was like, man, she's really optimistic compared to me. Uh, I just like Perry said, there's no cap um, unless the cap gets elevated, which is definitely not going to happen because the league obviously lost money this year. There, there's just no the money isn't there. And it sucks. Like Green Bay is already going to have to lose guys. And let's see, Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Kevin King, free agent. All, all those guys are free agents this year. And then Preston Smith is a possible cap casualty just because yep. the cap is getting cut so much. Uh, there's the rumor that Aaron Rodgers is going to restructure his deal. And then some people even think he might not restructure it just because Green Bay might say, you know what? No, we know when our timeline is post you, whatever. I would love to have J.J. Watt in Green Bay. And if he gets cut, it becomes a little easier because then he can obviously pick where he wants to go and get paid however he wants. And Russ Ball is a wizard with the cap. So he could say, hey, we're going to give J.J. Watt a million dollars and then we're going to give him a $20 million signing bonus. And that's what is big brain it. Um, I don't know. So I don't know. I just I think that Houston would be foolish to cut him. Like he costs zero. He costs zero dollars to cut him. So if you need cap savings, you can. But. Just trade him. You can get something for him. He doesn't have a no trade clause like Deshaun. You can get something for him. And there's a lot of teams that can offer more than Green Bay can. So if it comes down to a trade, Green Bay just doesn't have it. And then cap, Green Bay doesn't have the room. So I would love to see Watt in Green Bay. I think he makes a ton of sense on this defense. Obviously, he makes a ton of sense on every defense because he's that damn good. Yep. But yep. And he's only 31, too. Yeah, he's, he's, so, he's so young considering he's been around for, it seems like, forever. It seems like forever. He's just been so dominant and so consistent when he's healthy um, that that it feels that way for sure. But I'll split the difference. I'll go two and a half out of ten. If it wants to happen, if Watt wants it to happen, 
there's a higher likelihood of it happening. Uh, but but again, it, it comes down to the, the cap and the complicated money aspect of that. So uh, unlikely. None of us even think it's a 50% chance. So uh, there you go. All right, before we wrap up uh, episode number 922 of the Pack-A-Day podcast, we got to get to the big story this week. Super Bowl 55 on the horizon this Sunday. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing off uh, in their home stadium against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, obviously, a lot of storylines out of this one. The big one, of course, Brady versus Mahomes, maybe a passing of the torch, if you will. Uh, might be a little early because I don't think Brady's going away quite yet, but uh, still should be a really entertaining game. Why don't we wrap up with game picks? Uh, early hunch. How are you feeling, Perry? Which way are you leaning in the Super Bowl 55? So I have my analyst side of my brain and the emotional side of my brain and both of them are choosing the Chiefs Um, (laughs) just because the Chiefs looked unstoppable the other night against the Bills Um, and in general I think they're unstoppable if you have a healthy Patrick Mahomes and a healthy like whole skill position the defense just has to like do enough and Tom Brady sure he won the game I didn't think Tom Brady looked great he threw three picks against the Packers so like you just have to do enough to stop Tom Brady and you know if you want a blueprint for what not to do just watch that as a championship game that the Packers just played against them um, I think the one thing is if there are if there's a defense that can slow down the Chiefs offense it's the Bucks. Um, so I think that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch but um, I just don't know how you don't choose the Chiefs in this game I also think that I don't want the Bucks to win in their home stadium. That's silly, and I don't like it. Um, so I'm going with the Chiefs as well. They're currently favored by three and a half, uh, and I would I've taken that number pretty easily. Um, I'm very confident in this Chiefs team, and like Perry, like you said, if there's a defense that could slow down the Chiefs' offense, it's the Bucks. That's true on the front, like the the chiefs are playing with, I think four backup offensive linemen compared to what their starters are supposed to be. Schwartz is out or no Fisher's out. Schwartz is hurt. So he might play. They're on like their third string left guard. And then their right guard. It was either the right guard or the left guard was uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who was awesome and is doing stuff in Canada to help out the hospital up there, which that's really good for him. So they're playing with a backup hit at his spot. And then at the other guard spot, they have lost their Colecchio Sebeli and then the guy that was backing him up. So they're now on the third there. So you're right there that this defensive front could cause Mahomes problems. Here's the one problem. Mahomes is not human. He, he, he doesn't play the game the way you're supposed to play it. When you get pressure on him, he's supposed to struggle. And what happens when you put pressure on him? Tyreek Hill is running wide open because there's not a corner in football that can run step for step with that man. Jair can do it is close. There's other corners that are close, but the guy just plays at a different speed as everybody else. And the same thing goes for Mahomes just plays at a different level than other guys are. What Mahomes is doing is stuff that we haven't seen since prime Rogers. Like Rogers is yeah. great right now. I'm not like, don't get me wrong, but the Rogers we have now is not the one we had in 2011 and 2014. And that, the stuff Mahomes is doing now is just, it defies logic. So, okay, Todd Bowles, you're going to bring the blitz. Guess what? Tyreek Hill is going to torch you again because that's what he did six weeks ago or whatever it was when they played in the regular season. This Bucks defense is good, but they, they can't slow down. They can't slow down the chiefs. De- uh, what's his name? Devin White is not a good coverage guy. So you're going to, who are you going to put on Travis Kelsey? Nobody. Travis Kelsey is going to go for a buck 50 and a score. T- 
Tyreek Hill is probably going to have nine catches for 250 yards and two touchdowns because no one can cover him. It doesn't matter what you do. This, you can't cover him, and you think, oh, we'll just get pressure on Mahomes because he's got a bum foot. Who cares? He's going to take a step back in the pocket and flick the ball with it, like just with a wrist, with a wrist shot, like prime, like prime Brett Favre, because his arm is just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it team, doesn't. He, he never does. This Mahomes team is not fair. No, this they're team. not. No. Yeah, so it's Chiefs for me. Um, and also, yeah, I don't want to see Brady win. I don't think that Brady has been that good this year. I think among the final four quarterbacks that were up, he was the worst, in my opinion. Everyone wants to say, oh, well, he's got the rings. Cool. I did a I did a check earlier this week. In games where Brady has thrown no zero interceptions in the playoffs, 19-3. and three, That's his team's. In the games where he has thrown one or more, he still has a winning record. In games where he's thrown two or more, he's 7-4. and four. Meanwhile, Rodgers, in games where he's thrown at least one pick, he is uh, like in games with just one pick, he is thrown, he is like one, two and nine or something like that in the playoffs. Like he's just Brady's gotten bailed out time and time again. And that works until you run up against an offense like this Chiefs team that they're they're even if they make a mistake, they're going to make you pay for one on the next drive. That's what Tyreek Hill did. Tyreek Hill had 150 yards at halftime and should have had more. And for whatever reason, the Chiefs just decided, eh, we're going to take our foot off the gas. That's not going to happen in the Super Bowl. I don't know what the over-under is for this game. I'm taking the over, and it's going to be because the Chiefs are going to put up 40. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I don't see anybody slowing down this Chiefs offense. Uh, First back-to-back champion, possibly, since 03-04 when uh, Tom Brady did it with the Patriots in Super Bowls 38 and 39. The Chiefs looking to do that here in Super Bowls 54 and 55. And our panel, unanimous. I think we all think they're going to get it done. Uh, We will see what the rest of our Pack-A-Day personalities think about this game throughout the remainder of the week here on the Pack-A-Day podcast for Gage Bridgeford, for Perry Goldstein. Thanks so much for starting your week with us. Hope it's a wonderful one, and go Pack Go as always. Peace!